We have titled the message today, How to Get to Where You're Going. Now, the scripture verses on the back of the bulletin are from Psalms, Proverbs, and Isaiah. I want you to open your Bible, if you have it, to Isaiah, the 58th chapter. Now, the 11th verse is on the back of the bulletin, and it is a feast in itself. If you don't get anything else out of this service today, take home with you the statement of Isaiah 58:11: "The Lord shall guide thee continually." And if the Lord guides us continually, then why in the world are we making so many mistakes? Why is life so mixed up for so many? The Isaiah chapter is titled, Promises to Godliness. Promises to Godliness. This is one of those promises that you can lay hold of. The Lord shall guide thee continually. Then, of course, the Proverbs passage, verses 5 and 6 of Proverbs 3, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths straight. Do you want to save a lot of heartache, wasted time, dead-end roads and wrong turns in your life? Back on the bulletin, the top little paragraph says this is the way that you can avoid those dead ends. You can avoid these heartaches, all of this wasted time and effort by letting God be the guide of your life, how to get to where you're going. Life is filled for so many with frustration. I see it day by day in our society, even with Christians. Frustration upon frustration. Frustration is a form of an adult temper tantrum. Frustration comes when we determine to have our own way rather than relaxing and letting God have His way. Think about that. It is not caused by our circumstances. Remember, none of us has everything we desire. God has not promised us everything we desire, but He has promised us everything we need. God is not a heavenly Santa Claus just giving you everything you order. He gives you what is good for you. He is the heavenly Father. As a father, I never gave to my sons everything they wanted. I tried to provide everything they needed, but never could I provide everything they wanted. So it is with our heavenly Father. He provides what we need. He orders our lives according to His will. Tantrums won't change His mind or His purpose. Not one bit. 
Your little fit won't impress God. Your beating on the desk will not impress God at all. It won't change God's mind. He's going to do for you what is good. Not just what you think you want. Now, there are some Bible characters which could have been totally frustrated in their experience if they had wanted to. One of them is Andrew. He was known as Simon Peter's brother. That must have been frustrating for him at times, but he didn't let it get to him. It's kind of like Roebuck, Sears and Roebuck. How would you like to be Roebuck? It's kind of like Prince Philip and Queen Elizabeth. He walks three steps behind. Who's Prince Philip? Well, the husband of the queen. How would you like to be Prince Philip in that kind of setting? Well, Andrew had to face that. Simon Peter's brother. But Andrew just decided to fit into God's plan for his life. He wasn't frustrated. He just accepted the fact that he would always be Simon Peter's brother. Then there was David. First Chronicles 28, verses 2 and 3, he said, As for me, I had in mine heart to build an house of rest for the ark of the covenant of the Lord and for the footstool of our God and had made ready for the building. But God said unto me, Thou shalt not build. How would you like to be in his shoes? He wanted to build. He had a heart's desire to build a house unto the Lord and for the Ark of the Covenant. But God said, thou shalt not build. Some of us would have beat the table. We'd have had a fit. We'd have thrown that tantrum. We would have become frustrated, but not David. He did not play the, if you're not going to play my way, I won't play game. He said, now listen to what he said, if I can't build the temple, I'll do what I can. I'll get the materials ready for another to build. And that's what David did. He prepared the materials for that magnificent structure. And Solomon, his son, built the house under the Lord. The point is that these men could have been frustrated in God's dealings with them, but they relaxed, they rested in God's omniscience and omnipotence. And let him be who he is, the one who knows the best, the one who said, I will guide you continually. Are you that way? What would you have done? A complaining man, a self-assertive man, would have stormed heaven demanding God to give him the desire of his heart. David would not do that, nor would Andrew. The question is, how do we act on the promise of Isaiah 58, 11, on the promise of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6? Now, I have seven points in my outline today, and I'm going to cover them rapidly. They won't take long, so don't start looking at your watch. But I have to give you all seven so you'll know how to get through every one of them to the will of God and the guidance of God that is available for every one of you. 
How do we act on the promise of the Lord shall guide thee continually? Well, I believe there are some guiding lights for us to follow, seven of them. And I want to turn them on for you today so that you'll get to where you're going. It's kind of like the pilot of a ship. He comes out from port when the ship has come in from the open sea. A little boat takes him out. He climbs up to the deck of that massive liner and he moves up into the pilot's house and the captain of the ship that brought it in from the ocean steps back into the background and the pilot from the port who knows the harbor, who made sure the lights were outlined properly so that the ship could come down the middle of the channel, he takes over. He knows where the lights are. He knows where the danger spots are and he very cunningly guides that massive liner into port safely because he knows exactly where the lights are and how to get that ship to where it belongs. Here are the lights. Number one, an inward witness. Some call it an inner conviction. Some call it the witness of the Spirit. They're all good terms. But it is that light which turns on in your heart when you know you've heard from God. Now, there are people around us today who, to who go to others first. Getting their guidance from others, that's the wrong concept. You must hear from the Lord first. There is an example in Acts 16 of this. Paul was trying to go into Asia. Twice, the Spirit had stopped him from going into Asia. Suddenly, a vision comes of a man from Macedonia crying, come over and help us. Now in verse 10 of Acts 16, there is a wonderful statement. Assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us. What is that? That's an inner witness. It is the voice of the Spirit in the heart. Where did His guidance start? with an inner voice, an inner light, an inner witness, the witness of the Spirit. How is it obtained? By waiting on the Lord. By not going to some spiritual necromancer or soothsayer or someone with a, quote, prophetic ministry, unquote. It comes as a word from the Lord. There are a lot of people floating around today trying to find a word from somebody else. Let me tell you, you've got to have a word from the Lord first. An inner witness of the Spirit. That's the way God works with every human being, every child of God. It comes like a word from God. An inner witness. Secondly, the Scriptures, this book, 
the Bible. God gave it to us as a guidebook. The inner witness must line up with the Word of God. Now, I don't care if you come to me and say, God spoke to me to do thus and so. If it doesn't match the Word of God, forget it. It wasn't God that spoke. You have to turn the second light on to get where you're going, and that is the Word of God. In Isaiah 8.20, in the modern language version of the Old Testament, we read, To the law and to the testimony, whoever will not speak according to this word, there shall surely be no dawn for him. You see, God has established his word. It's everlasting. Heaven and earth may pass away, but my word shall not pass away. A conviction, a voice, a prophecy can lead you astray if it does not line up with the word. God does not lead a man to divorce his wife in order to marry another woman. I have had that up to here. I am so sick of hearing that nonsense. God spoke to me, divorce my wife to marry this woman. Or a woman comes and says, God spoke to me to divorce my husband and marry this man. Nonsense, foolishness. God is not a fool. God will not go contrary to what he has already revealed. There are many scriptures which teach us about marriage. You don't need even a witness from some other world. You've got the word to go by. But if you get that inner witness, then it has to fit what the Holy Spirit has already authored. He does not contradict himself. He authored this book. He inspired men to write it. He knows what's in it. And he's not going to go contrary to what he's already revealed. You see, a young man employed by a Sunday school board was invited to preach one Sunday at a church in Nashville, Tennessee. He spoke on the text from Exodus 20, Thou shalt not steal. God blessed the service. The next morning, this young man had to ride one of the city buses. He had a dollar bill, and he handed it to the driver, and the driver gave him change. He made his way to the back of the bus and stood there, counting the money before he put it into his pocket, and he discovered that the driver had given him one dime too much change. Several things went through his mind. Well, it's not my fault. He did it. Nobody will ever miss it. But he put those thoughts aside, walked back up through the bus, stood there where the driver was seated and said, Sir, excuse me, but you gave me too much change. He said, I know I did. I gave you one dime too much change. He said, Yesterday I was in church where you preached on thou shalt not steal. And I've been watching you in my mirror, counting that change. And if you had not come back here, I would never have been able to go back and hear a preacher again. But you have stood the test. What am I saying? The Word of God gives us the conduct pattern. You don't have to stand back there with that change in your hand and say, Now, Lord, what shall I do? 
Shall I put it in my pocket and give it to the building program, or shall I go back up to the front? You know, God has already spoken. Thou shalt not steal. If you know it's not yours and you keep it, it's what? Stealing. The Word of God has spoken. Do what the Word says. That's so simple. Just do what the Word says. The Word teaches me that when I make a commitment, I am to keep the commitment. When I pledged my vows to my wife 30 years ago, I promised that in sickness or in health, in want or in plenty, I would stay by her side. And I meant that. The Word teaches me that that's the right thing to do. I have never thought of divorce. I've never thought of leaving her. Murder a time or two, but never the other. We all go through that kind of experience. But what helps us? The Word. You look at the Word, and the Word tells you what to do. So I love her, and I support her, and I carry her along. And we will be together until death parts us or until Jesus comes. You have the inner witness and then the Word of God. It has to match. Thirdly, prophetic confirmation. Note the order. Inner witness, the Word of God, then prophetic confirmation. There are some around who speak by the Spirit, confirming the inward witness of the Lord and that which lines up with the Word of God. Never in reverse. Never in reverse. The inner witness to the individual, the Word of God, and then the prophetic confirmation. Don't start out with a leading by prophecy. Do you know there are groups around today who do personal prophecies, and in some instances they type them out on paper and hand it to the person and say, now this is the way you're supposed to go. That is not God's order that has led people down dead-end roads. I have tried to salvage the lives of some of those people. They have even showed me the typed-out paper. Doesn't mean a thing to me unless that person has the inner witness and the Word of God backs it up. On the other hand, I have had numbers of people come to me and say, Pastor, this is what I feel God bearing witness to my heart. I cannot find anything contrary to it in the Word of God. I want to bounce it off of you. And immediately there is that witness in my heart, and I say, yes, that's of God. There have been other times when I have said, no, that's not of God. I don't feel right about that. That does not fit my heart. It does not read well. Back off. There are people who speak by the Spirit. The first obligation to get where you're going is between you and God and no other human intermediary. But there comes a point where the human intermediary may be necessary and good.
But listen, hear me well. If I could shout louder, I would, but I just can't shout any louder. I want you to hear me and hear me well. The first obligation in how to get where you're going is between you and God and no other human intermediary. The first step. The Word of God second and thirdly, Someone led by the Spirit of God that you can trust, who knows that you know, walks with God, hears from God, and can confirm what you're experiencing by the Spirit, but never in reverse. Fourthly, counseling. Solomon said it. In the multitude of counselors there is wisdom. Proverbs eleven fourteen. Take your time. You don't have to hurry through the decisions of life. The biggest problem we face is we're in a big hurry. We think God is going to pass us by if we don't do something. How many of you have said, the king's business requireth haste? How many of you have ever quoted that? Do you know that's a Bible statement? That's found in 1 Samuel 21.8. It does say that the king's business requireth haste. I went back and studied that passage again. I discovered that it was the king's monkey business which required haste. That whole chapter, David had taken the hallowed bread from Nob and then the sword of Goliath from behind the ephod. Then he acted like a madman, drooling all over himself before Achish, the king of Gath. In that eighth verse of the 21st uh, chapter of 1 Samuel, it says the king's business requireth haste. It was the king's monkey business. He was walking away from God's will and plan. Watch out when in haste and have no time for godly counsel. Are you listening? I'm trying to help you this morning. Are you listening? Take time for godly counsel. Many times going without the counsel of godly people is like trying to take the ship into harbor without paying any attention to the lights in the channel. Learn to listen. That's why God gives us friends in the family. In the multitude of counselors, there is wisdom. Don't be afraid to talk to people. Even though you may be afraid they're going to tell you what you don't want to hear. Maybe that's God's will. That's God's plan. He wants you to hear what you don't want to hear. Sit down with godly people. Make your heart bare. Don't hold anything back. Share it honestly and openly and let them respond to you as a believer, as a person who loves Jesus and wants the best for your life. Counseling. You don't have to be in a hurry. Take time. Fifth, circumstances. When there is that inner witness confirmed by the scriptures and perhaps prophetic confirmation and the opportunity for godly counsel, you will often begin to see definite confirming circumstances. It is the open door concept of the Philadelphia church in Revelation 3.8. Behold, I have set before you an open door, and no man can shut it. Circumstances that begin to happen. I watch for them all of the time. Five years ago, when we left Olympia, 
The market for housing was down. We put our house on the market believing God wanted us to come to Sacramento. The day that the movers shut the door on the van and we were to leave for Sacramento, the realtor put the check for the sale of that house in my hand. Can you imagine what I felt in that moment when that check was put in my hand the very day we were to leave for Sacramento? I almost felt like shouting, watch out Sacramento, I know I'm in the will of God. Confirming circumstances. Man, it was exciting driving down here. Facing all the empty seats that first Sunday because I knew they would fill up because of a circumstance in a declining market at a bad time the open door no man can shut you remember when the priests came to the Jordan River flood season backed up for a mile two million souls needing to cross the Jordan River, God had said, when the priest's feet touch the water, the river will part. And indeed it happened. Do you know what would happen if some of us were in the same situation? We'd walk right down into the river and drown. Sure. It's possible to walk up to the river, walk right out into the water and drown if you don't have the word of the Lord. And that's what some people do. Faith is different than presumption. Some people have a great gift of presumption and not much faith. So they walk up to the river and they put their feet in and go... Like the two guys who said, you watch... We can walk on water. And the one guy went out there, and man, he just moved right across the face of the water. Second guy went out and drowned. They said, what happened? He didn't know where the stumps were. <laughs> Presumption. You've got to weigh your spirit, weigh your heart. The priests had heard from God. It had been confirmed by God's servant Joshua. Do it! And the rivers parted. Circumstances, you've got to have some confirming evidence as you move along on this road of life. If you're going to get to where you're going, circumstances are a marvelous thing from God. You just know God is at work, and you stand back and see the glory of God. Watch for the circumstances. Six. Something I use all the time in determining God's will, the peace of God. The peace of God. Is it scriptural? Absolutely. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds by Christ Jesus. What will keep your heart and mind? The peace of God. 
what will keep you from tranquilizers and sleepless nights and sweaty palms. The peace of God will keep you from that. It is that which passeth what? Understanding. Others don't know what's going on, but you know because of the peace of God in your heart. Colossians 3.15, let the peace of God rule in your heart. That word rule means referee. Let the peace of God be the umpire or the referee. Don't move until you have the peace of God. I've been an umpire and a referee both on a professional basis. I took time out to get my license to umpire and to referee. It was a great sideline for me. Years ago, I pastored and I would do ball games for local high schools and colleges. Haven't been able to do it here. I haven't had the time, but I love to do it. And I met a lot of interesting people and won many of them to the Lord. I remember umpiring one of the high school playoff games in the state of Washington in Centralia. Some years ago, I happened to be the base umpire in this particular game. And there was a very close play at first base. A runner who was trying to get back to first and had to give a very good slide in order to get back in, if he was to get back in at all. And unfortunately, in a sense, I was the only one in that whole ballpark who could see well what was going on. I was right on top of the play where I was supposed to be. That player, that runner, put the best fake I've ever seen on that first baseman, and he hooked the bag with his hand. He caught the corner of the bag coming back in, totally eluding the tag of the first baseman, although it would have looked from any other point in that ballpark that he was out. Well, God has given me a pretty good voice, and so I shout, safe, he's back in! That's when all heaven broke loose. I found out that first baseman's parents were in the stands and his uncles and aunts and cousins. You're as blind as a bat! I just smiled. Didn't matter, I had the blue suit on. I was the umpire. Didn't matter what the coaches thought. Didn't matter what anybody... I saw him get back in, and I called him safe. And if any of those fans had come out on that field, I would have forfeited the game right then. I had that power. Oh, it feels good. <laughs> That's why married men are usually umpires, not single men. There they can call the plays and have no, no sass. <laughs> well, what's the point? The umpire is always right. He calls the play. I saw something nobody else out there could see. That's why I was there. So, God says, let my peace rule. 
Let my peace be your umpire. At the crossroads of your life, God makes the best decisions. Let the peace of God rule. When peace leaves you, stop right where you are. Stop. Where did you lose the peace? Go back to where you lost it. Start from there. And don't do anything until the umpire says, safe. That's what God's peace is all about. Now there's one more. God's provision. Number seven. Hudson Taylor said, where God guides, God provides. That's good. Where God guides, God provides. Remember that. Hudson Taylor further said, God's work done in God's time, in God's way, will never lack God's provision. Interesting. People led by God do not leave their wife and children destitute while they are off in South America somewhere, quote, serving God, end of quote. We've got too much of that today. Paul clearly says in 1 Timothy 5, 8, but if any provide not for his own and specially for them of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. You can walk out on faith following the precepts of this message I'm sharing with you into an impossible situation and find God's mighty provisions. I believe that if you have a definite word from the Lord. You can walk out not knowing whether you're going like Abraham and find God's provisions if you are led by the Lord, confirmed by the word, shared with others who love the Lord and they confirm it as well and so on through the outline. But too often these days, there are people going out on their schemes and their own ideas without following through the outline, and the provision is not there. Watchman Nee said something in one of his very clever books on discipleship. He said that provision is one of the first ways God has of restraining his overzealous servants who are getting out beyond his will for their lives. He meant that God jerks the rug out from under them in the area of provision to show them that they're not walking in his way. They're not going according to his will. Many of us have scars on us from trying to get through doors that weren't open. We've got bruises and knots on our head because we try to get through doors that God never opened and never intended to open. And how does he show us we're wrong? By pulling the rug of provision out from underneath us. Now I want you to think about that. If provision isn't coming for you, examine your approach to life. Go over this outline step by step, point by point, prayerfully and carefully. Go over it again and again and again. Where are you missing God? Because where God guides, God provides. And there are Christian people running around begging because they're running around. And they're not prayerfully and carefully following the outline of God's will and God's way. Let me run this one line of Hudson Taylor's by you again. God's work done in God's time in God's way will never lack God's provision. That's true for our families, our individual lives. It's true for our church. If we're moving in God's will, in God's time, we will never lack God's provision. I stand on that.
Well, there are the seven lights in the harbor to guide the ship safely into shore. Helpful, aren't they? If your life is committed to God, you hang on. You may not see the daylight tomorrow or even Tuesday. Joseph went down in a dungeon. It took him two years to see the daylight. He didn't have anybody he could talk to. All he had was a faith in God. There wasn't a light for direction for Joseph, but he hung on and he came out gloriously. You will always get to where you're going following God's methods and God's ways. I guarantee you that. Now let's wake up to God's desires for us. We sing in this church many times, open my eyes, Lord, I want to see Jesus. Open my ears and help me to listen. But our eyes are shut and our ears are closed. We're not seeing and we're not listening. And God is waiting to bestow upon us a mighty miracle. When Thomas Edison was inventing the electric light, he spent years trying to find the right kind of filament, the right gas, the right kind of container. Finally, one night, in fact, it was about three o'clock in the morning, he made the device glow. The bulb lit up. Edison was so excited, he ran out of his laboratory, into the house, up the stairs, and into the bedroom where his wife was sleeping. Darling, he shouted, look, as he held up that light. She woke up, rolled over, and pleaded, will you shut that light off and come to bed? <laughs> Some of us never cash in on the great moment at our fingertips. We don't have eyes to see and we don't have ears to listen. We're running here and there chasing our own schemes, our own rainbows. Let's wake up. It is God's plan to provide. It is God's plan to bless. It is God's plan to guide. Let's wake up. Trust in the whom? The Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. If we do, here it is again, the Lord will guide us continually and satisfy us with all good things and keep us healthy and we will be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. Can you think of anything more beautiful than that? A well-watered garden and an ever-flowing spring. That is God's promise after saying, the Lord will guide you continually. While marvelous inventions are taking place, and God is making great provisions, some are saying, will you shut that thing out and come to bed? Because we will not see, we will not listen. But today is a different day. I feel there are many who want to see and many who want to listen. And in these final moments of our worship together today, we're going to see and we're going to listen and God is going to do a great thing. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for these special moments together. 
We believe that you have prepared us for this moment by your word. You said you will guide us continually, and yet there are people who are floundering. They don't know where they're at or where they're going. Oh, God in heaven, be merciful to us. Help us to go back and pick up this outline. If we have to listen to it by tape again or whatever, help us, oh God, to do it, that we may know the plan and the purpose of God for our lives. We only have one life. We can't destroy it and waste it. We have to use it, Lord. So it is my prayer for this great congregation today and people who will be listening by radio later and by tape that your Holy Spirit will do a great work now. Now, with our heads bowed, how many have I been preaching to today? You know that you needed this outline, and by the grace of God, you're going to pick it up and you're going to walk by it. May I see your hand? Just look.